Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Michigan Avenue Media and the World of Ink Network. This podcast was founded in 2011 by Marsha Casper Cook and Virginia Grenier. Their focus has always been on helping writers reach their dreams by having informative and entertaining shows. You will also hear the latest information on what's new and exciting in the publishing and marketing industry. And the shows will also cover discussions on screenwriting, audiobooks and movies. New to the shows will be the latest style and trends in fashion, as well as nutrition and how Pinterest can add just the right spark of attention you may need for your projects. So, sit back and relax and enjoy the show. You can find out more information about our shows and being a guest at www.michiganavenuemedia.com. Hi everybody, it's Marsha, and uh, we have a really good show today, and it's Monday, I know I'm never really on on Mondays, but um, this is an extra show that we edited, because our guest Marianne Shuko could not come another day, and I'm still having a show on Thursday, which will be um, on children's learning, and uh, Rich Linville will be on, and Judy Snyder will be on, and they've been on before, and... um, so that will be a really good show on Thursday. So we're added this show because it's important. This is June is Alzheimer's Month and Brain Awareness Month. And so Marianne um, is an advocate, and she has also an author of Young Adults. But we're going to talk about Alzheimer's just, Alzheimer's just a little at the beginning first. And then, well, I think I'll let Kristen say hello first. Kristen, hi. Hi. Hi, Marianne. Hi, Marcia. Glad Hi. to be with you today. How's everything? Hi, Kristen. How's everything How are you good? doing? Doing good. Doing well. Beautiful day today. Okay. Yeah, it's Monday. It's, I feel like I'm a little, it's really, it's weird. I'd like, I almost feel like it's the end of the week, but it's really the beginning of the week. You know, I've changed my time of shows. I've had them Tuesdays, Wednesdays. So, you know, but sometimes, you know, when you do that, I'm so used to Thursdays, I'm thinking Thursday but okay and uh, Kristen before we begin why don't you talk a little bit about yourself before we let Marianne discuss you know all the things she's been doing including her new okay. her book Blue Hot Bandit okay go ahead I'm a young adult writer um, who's kind of moved quite a bit because I married a guy in the Air Force and he's kind of taken me all over and I write um, I have a middle grade series called the Landry's True Color series and mostly I write young adult um, sweet romances, and I've just relaunched my young adult pop star romance, the Cecily Taylor series um, this summer. I've just relaunched it, and very excited about that, and there will be a new Cecily Taylor book coming out next year. It's great. Next year. I can't believe it's going to be July 4th. It's like it's, it's happening fast, and once it's July 4th, I feel like, uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Moving on to yeah. fall, you know, even though it's yeah. but Okay, yeah. All right, and so Marianne, I want you to tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Um, there's a lot of things that you do, and naturally, this is a very tough subject, but this is an important one because um, most of us have had somebody in our families, whether we, you know, whether they're close or just a distant relative, people have had Alzheimer's and um, dementia. And so I want you to talk a little, if you could, about yourself and about the two of those, 
you know, because sometimes people really don't know the difference between dementia and Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Marsha. Welcome to the show. Have, yeah, thanks for having me on the show today. I really appreciate it. So I'm a registered nurse, and um, I have also had family members that have had um, Alzheimer's disease and dementia, and it goes way back to, like, the 1980s. So I've had a lot of experience with that as a nurse. I worked with many, many families and patients that were having a dementia journey. And uh, dementia is an umbrella term. Uh, Alzheimer's is the most common form of dementia, but it is a dementia. And there are many other types, such as vascular dementia, frontotemporal lobe dementia, Lewy body dementia, Parkinson's-related dementia, and several other types as well. So um, we put it all together and, and call it Alzheimer's and dementia. Um, there's about 70% of the cases that are actually Alzheimer's. And then there's early onset Alzheimer's and uh, various stages um, of the disease, which can last anywhere from maybe one to two years after diagnosis for two decades. So um, it's a very individualized type of thing. And I became interested in this. When I decided to go into the nursing field, I took a job as a nursing assistant in a long-term care facility. I just wanted to see what it would be like. I wanted to see what it meant to be a nurse. I was about 29 years old at the time, so I wasn't a kid. And um, I went to work at this lovely uh, place outside of Boston, which I I was very fortunate that I went to a top-notch place to start my career And they had a memory care unit on the third floor. And one night I was brought up there to work um, to cover for somebody that was out sick. And I didn't know what I would encounter up there because I hadn't heard very many good things about going up there. But what happened was I had a wonderful night. I fell in love with my patients and then I wanted to work there all the time. So I always had a soft spot people with dementia yeah well you know right and I think nursing you know I think um, now it's it's so much more difficult because they've had a lot to deal with with COVID and the family's not visiting and so I mean mm-hmm. um, it's it's a that's been pretty bad for a lot of the patients that I'm sure because I mean I know that my grandfather had Alzheimer's and my aunt but you know Alzheimer's was what they called it years ago, but it, there were so many forms that came after that that they actually, like what you had just said, you know, they mm-hmm. just used to say, oh, they they have that, you know, hardening of the arteries. They just gave it a lot of names, and um, the facilities were not like they are now. No, no, um, no not at all. The, like the memory care is very good, you know, in a lot of, uh, you know, in Illinois, I know it's good. We have, you know, years ago they didn't have as many rules and regulations. And so I think now that has helped because they check out all these places because people live there, you know, and I think it's important that they have the best care, which I don't oh, know is. that Absolutely. they had it years ago. You know, years ago, I'm not so sure about that. I mean, I'm talking many, many years ago. I also right. was a lab tech, and I, you know, and I mentioned you over the phone. We talked before about that. It was very different years ago. So now I think, you know, having these memory care centers all over, um, is a big help to the family. So, um, talk like the family. It's not just the person that has the disease. It's the entire family. Yeah. 
And that's who you probably talked to a lot of, right, when you were doing this. You talked to their families and try to make them understand. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people don't understand this. No, I always say confusion to get confusion. You have a confused relative, a loved yeah. one who has a dementia and, and is confused, but then that confusion makes everybody else confused because you don't know what to do and you don't know where to go and you don't know right. what resources that might be available to you or, or where can you get help and how are you going to pay for it and how do I get live-in help? How do I get a caregiver to come to my house? I mean, there's a ton of questions. And I think, you know, what I've learned over the years is that everything that you need to know about dementia care, you need to know it on day one because there's no catch-up. You don't have a period of time where you can say, okay, let me figure this out. I'm going to spend some time doing some research because if you're that primary caregiver or if it's your spouse, then you're going to be consumed with managing them and you may not have time to sit and do some research, go to the library, go on the internet, read some books, watch some videos. I mean, that time is time consuming in itself. And you may not even know what information you need to be looking for. And that can be a time waster. So um, it's a problem for caregivers. So I had written a book. It was based upon my experience as a nurse meeting different families and one couple in particular who captivated me. And I came up with the story Blue Hydrangeas, an Alzheimer's love story, which is a beautiful story set on Cape Cod, a pair of innkeepers running their little bed and breakfast, their bed and breakfast, and um, slowly the Alzheimer's starts to creep into Sarah's, Sarah's brain. And when they're diagnosed or she's diagnosed, they decide that they're going to stay at home no matter what the disease brings her husband promises her that they'll bear through this together. And in many cases, that's an impossible promise. And for nine years, Jack struggles to run the house and and take care of her, and his own health is failing. So when the story opens, we see them having um, a little bit of a tussle that leads to her falling and injuring herself and ending up in the hospital, and at that point, it's recommended that she go to an assisted living for some respite care, and he reluctantly agrees that uh, he'll do this, although he doesn't want to. And so um, that's what they do, that he brings her there, and after they get there, and he sees how forlorn she is because she realizes what's going on, he decides we're not ready for this, and he drives them away, and they go on a journey to kind of relive part of their past and it ends up in a disaster. But the book actually has a happy ending. So I had written that book and uh, published it in 2013. It was a really hard book to publish. No one was interested in a book on Alzheimer's from an unknown author. So I decided to self-publish it. And about a year or so afterward, I got the idea of maybe I should start an organization of authors writing about Alzheimer's to help promote the books and to help readers find yeah. the books. And that right. became all well, the right, authors. Right, because they can't com. find the books. That's the other thing. They can't find the books. The resources. Yeah, well, there are know, a lot of books to know. now. There weren't nearly as many now, books yeah. back then yeah. as there are now. It was really, right. and especially stories. A lot of books were clinical. They had a lot of how-to right. and things like that. But people were, like, thirsting for stories. They wanted to hear how somebody else 
made it through this ordeal. And then they knew that they could do it too. So that's kind of what we started. It was an organization where people, we feature books on our website and we have um, a categorized bookstore where people can look for something in particular, like if they want a book about caring for their mother, they can find that. If they need books for teens, we have books for teens, books for kids. We have um, moved into other resources such as uh, blogs, podcasts, video, film. Um, we do virtual events. We have traveling libraries. We have custom caregiver collections. We have a lot of things going on uh, to assist yeah. caregivers. Yeah. 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 We're busy. Well, I think that's good, you know, because there are so many people that have this. You know, I wasn't thinking about this till after we just started the show, that if people want to equate to what this is similar to a couple, uh, most people have seen the book, the movie The Notebook. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that really was the most beautiful story of how James Garner loved Gina Rowland. And it's they, he was mm-hmm. reading to her, and really it was their story. Right. And so I think if people don't understand really some of the things, if they see that movie, it really shows what happens you know, that she doesn't know him at all, and then occasionally she does. And he is just so distraught, you know, but he's learning how to live in that life. So it's almost like he had two lives, one with right. one and Mary- way and another way. Mm-hmm. And Marianne, can you share with us how um, Elle's author started the podcast as well as everything else you're doing with the blogs? So the podcast became like a natural extension when we reached a conclusion that although the founders and and the managers aren't all authors, we love books, we love to read, we go to books for resources when we have questions and problems. Not everybody does, A. And B, even if somebody would like to do that, if they're a caregiver, they probably don't have time. And it's just very overwhelming being a caregiver right. for someone with dementia. Yeah. And um, we decided that maybe if we put the stories into a podcast audio format where people could listen and maybe listen when they're doing something else, that that would be a good way to get them the information that they need and, and to promote the right. books that way. So we started yeah. to interview um, a different author um, for, for every week of the season that we do. We're in season 10 right now. And um, the authors tell their story. They talk about their book. We talk about Alzheimer's, dementia, and other things, depending on, you know, what what the situation is. We have, like, some really fun stuff that comes up sometimes. And um, we've been doing that for about a year and a half now, and it's been really successful. Yeah. I, mean, I, I think, you know, vir- virtual events, we do virtual live events where we bring in a panel of authors and they talk about, um, well, they don't necessarily talk about their books, but they talk about um, their Alzheimer's dementia story, how they cope, they give tips and advice. So we have several of those on our website, um, on our YouTube channel. So listeners may want to visit the YouTube channel where they can catch up on that. Yeah. I think, you know, because I do think, you know, when something, you know, I I was looking through your website and then there was somebody that has a book that both their parents had it at the same time. Several. 
that's not and uncommon. so that is that is, right right so that is a difficult life you know and the children yeah. you know if they don't even have children you know I, I think there's so many parts to this that people don't even know you know you really don't when you get diagnosed with something you know and in this particular case there's nothing that the person can do it's happening to them and their right. family but when both parents you know sometimes one will help the other if it's exactly just one. but when there's two this is quite difficult you know yeah everything from taking away the keys to trying to um you know move things around the house i've heard people say that they have a loved yeah. one that's you know been looking for the keys somebody was telling me about that and um they actually had to end up getting a different car because they knew the key fob would throw um, their father off. And so that's, you know, that was the easiest way to go was to get a new car mm-hmm. because they knew he wouldn't know what that thing was and stuff right. like that because yeah. they were yeah. so terrified yeah. because taking away the keys yeah. is yeah. one of the bigger my, things that people have to do. Yeah, with my stepfather, my brother disabled the starter so he couldn't start the car even if he got out there. Yeah. And he he would always ask about the car. Well, he was interesting because he when we confronted the driving issue, which was like immediately on the first doctor visit, he said, I don't want to drive anyway. Margie makes me. Margie was my mother. So my mother, like, he was her lifeline because she never drove her whole life. She was like 80, 87 years old. And so that was really hard on her. But he told me, I don't, you know, I don't want to drive. Margie makes me. So he didn't really ever try to drive, but he always wanted to know where his car was. Yeah. He would always ask, yeah. where's my car? Yeah, and, I think that's um, one of the biggest things, it was right, the, the car. Yeah, mm-hmm. the car. Yeah, is where's my most, car all yeah. the time? Yeah. But even when he was in the nursing home. But, um, oh, yeah, it's home. I got your car. Don't worry about it. Taking care of it. And then he'd be satisfied. But, you know, when well, you have yeah, two parents, yeah. it's hard because yeah. they gang up on each other. I mean, they gang up on you. Like when you have one parent and you're helping them, the, together you can manage the situation a lot easier than when it's you and, and then you have the two of them, you know, um, divide, um, conquer and divide it. You can't, you don't have the one parent to help you. It makes it extremely difficult to make any kind of, any kind of changes well, or, or advances. Well, right. You know, sometimes it takes a little longer to get. I know my grandfather, when he got it, it was a little slower, but he had lived in Florida. So um, they, uh, my grandmother had died years before, and my grandfather was like the life of the party. He was just, I mean, dancing all the time. He was, and all of a sudden he got this. And so he remarried right before. Well, he's probably married a couple of years before. And so then my father got a call one day and said, you know, to him, to the, you know, his wife said, come and get your father. I'm putting all his luggage, I'm putting all his clothes in in a suitcase and come get him. And oh, wow. so she didn't want any part of this. So my father took a plane and went to Florida and got him. And she just, not a word afterwards. You know, mm. so a lot of times what you'll hear from people, I know I used to have lunch with a lot of my mother's friends. You know, they were older, a lot of them, because my aunt had Alzheimer's at that time. And so I became friends with her friends because we would go visit my aunt. But we, they, I would sit and ask them, I'd say, well, do you, they were all widows. And I said, do you want to get married? So a lot of them said, 
they were in their 70s, I think, some close to 80. They go, no, we do not want to take care of anybody sick because that's a fear for a lot of women that this will happen. You know, if you have the first time you're married, sometimes you can you'll do it, but then the second time they don't want to do it. And I've heard that a lot because this takes a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And oh, the yeah. sad part is when people just say, like, "Well, like my like my grandfather's wife did, just come and get him," you know. And so, because it is difficult. And so I think mm-hmm. that a lot of people, when they do get remarried, even you know if they're together a few years, whatever, a lot of times they don't want to take care of them. So then they ship them back to their children, which is not, you know, and then they're also in a different place. And sometimes, that, which you know, too, once they move somebody, it's very hard to acclimate. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. When you're used to a place. Yeah. It causes a regression. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, I think that these are the things, you know, hopefully one day. I mean, they do have some medicines now, but I don't know how they work. Do you have any people that have had luck with that? Not mm-hmm. really. Take, I mean, they yeah. don't really know that it helps or not. Yeah, yeah. And, it could, yeah, and they, some they of the drugs are intense, right? Yeah, they're intense, and then they have to be tested their blood a lot because it's they're intense drugs. But so, uh, so far I've never heard anybody have great luck with anything. But I think for some mm-hmm. it's held off, you know, it, they do have faster testing now where they can tell, you know, they tell right away. They don't wait right away. You know, you see some symptoms and then I think they get it checked out and that's when maybe they start the medication. Is that right? Or Yeah. What you've heard? Yeah. They usually start but, so the you're medicines saying, like right away. Yeah. They put my stepfather on it like right away, but I don't think it made any difference. By the time we got to right. the doctor, he was like, he was well on his way. Yeah. So, so Marianne, what I was just going to say, what resources, if you, um, if someone's listening today and they're beginning that journey, that path, what would be the first thing that you would recommend that they do? I think they should take a trip to alltheauthors.com, and they can browse through the blog posts where the authors write their personal stories and talk about their journey and their, and their books, why they wrote the book, what, what their book is about. They can go into our bookstore where they'll find the uh, individual titles, and they're all categorized. So, for instance, you could look up all books that are about caring for your father, for instance, and you'll be able to look at just those titles. You don't have to go foraging through a lot of other irrelevant things that maybe you're not. That's not what you're looking for. So you can save time and, that and way. And I do think that. And then aren't a lot. Okay, I was just going to ask with the hospitals. If if they go to a special hospital, wherever their doctors are, do they have groups for the, you know, the caregivers? I think they do in Chicago, I think. Some do. Some do and some, yeah. some don't. Yeah. Does that but help? there are usually groups in the community. You can go to, like, your uh, all time, local Alzheimer's Association website, yeah. and you may find um, support groups in the area where you live, that might be helpful. Some of them meet in person. Some of them are online. You could, um, you may try try more than one because maybe the first one you go to isn't really a good fit for you, but people do find a lot of comfort when they are able to talk to other people about their situation when they know they, those people are also in the same situation. And there's also they help, help too, like, um, with um, finding information about how to deal with things like power of attorney, being connected with lawyers that are, you know, very helpful in that matter and things like that. So there's support be, um, 
beyond just, you know, being yeah. able to yeah. show compassion and find other people dealing with it. It's, you know, the other kind of support, too, which is awesome. You know, important. and I do think probably like a, a geriatric doctor, you know, because I think the way the medical system is right now, I don't know that they have the time to talk to the people that are going through this. So, you know, you might want to think your doctor could help, but sometimes they can't, you know, and they're not going to sit there like years ago. They might talk to you. They don't have time. So I think there are geriatric doctors which primarily deal with people that are older, and at least they can help the family somewhat. Because I think doctors now are very busy, and they don't have time for almost anything because I think appointments at doctors now, which I think I'm going to have a show, and Fran Lewis is also, we're going to have a show about that because medicine is not really helping a lot of, not medicine, just the medical field. Sometimes people need some answers that they're not getting with everything. So I think I'm going to, we're going to have a show on that, Fran and I. So I think, you know, that's a really important thing because I think people don't know where to go when this is happening. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah. I did a blog post for Elle's authors about, um, you know, when you find out that you have a loved one with Lewy body, Parkinson's, and dementia, that the website that I went to had a pamphlet you could print out to give to your doctor to explain the diagnosis to your doctor better. And that absolutely blew my mind because, I mean, your doctor is the one that diagnosed you, and they're recommending you give the doctor the pamphlet to explain it better because there wasn't the information out there. And I just, I absolutely was flabbergasted at that one. Well, that's why you're better off with a a doctor that handles geriatric because they really don't have time doctors. And some of them really, you know, they don't have time for much of anything these days. So I think you have to start out right, like Marianne, you're saying, you have to immediately know what you're, you have to have some plan. Yes, you do. You know, and, you know, yeah. we hear that all, story all the time is people don't get any um, information or support from their doctors. And so that's why we have our book collections and people can, you know, browse our, through our books and find them. It's much easier than going to Amazon or going to Google because you're going to find millions of resources to, to, to look at, not knowing exactly what it is that you want. So we try, we have over 300 resources on the website, so you'd be sure to find something. Yeah, okay, yeah. Right, so when you're saying love story, do you want to talk a little bit about your book that you have? You know, what Oh, yeah, goes, I love talking about yeah, it. Yeah, okay, that would be a good <laughs> idea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it is. It's a true love story because it's a couple long married, 45 years, um, they're in their retirement years, and life is good. They've reached their dreams. They've built their bed and breakfast business, which is something they've always wanted on Cape Cod. And he loves to play golf, and she's an artist, and she um, spent her working years designing book covers and, and doing greeting cards for publishing houses and things like that. So um, she's very well known in the area. She does a lot of her painting. And everything is going great until she starts exhibiting what they call senioritis. And these are her little moments of forgetfulness and and messing things up. She starts making a lot of big mistakes with their business. And he's kind of like put on hyper alert. And, um, well, the the whole thing, I mean, he's right there for her. He does not want to leave her. He doesn't want to be separated. That's his big thing. He just cannot imagine his going through his days with them being miles apart. 
Yeah. So um, it's a really beautiful um, love. And, of course, because, you know, it was just too, like, sweet, I had to throw in that they had, other than the Alzheimer's, that they would have had some other tragedy in their life. And that was the death of their daughter. They had a 16-year-old daughter who drowned um, one summer on off the beach uh, in Truro, Mass, which is on Cape Cod. And she was out, went out sailing when she was told not to and got caught up in a squall and, and, and ended up capsizing the boat and she, she drowned. So they had this horrible tragedy many, many years before. And at the point where we're at the story, she, the Sarah, the, the main character, she doesn't remember that at all. She doesn't remember her daughter. She doesn't remember losing her daughter but he of course he does and so he's like right. still suffering with guilt and and grief over that so um that's a big part of their journey at the end where he ever since she became ill he never would bring her back to where they used to go when their their bed and breakfast is on the um the uh, inner cape and they go out to the outer cape, which is a good, like a two-hour drive, really. You go all the way out the arm of Cape Cod to the tip, and that's where they had their tragedy. And he doesn't want to ever go there again, and he thought he never would. But on that day, because they're trying to run away from the disease, they're trying to run away from the assisted living and all of their trouble, he just starts driving and he heads east, and the next thing he knows, they're, that's where they are. And he's very afraid of what's going to happen. He doesn't want her to have a magical memory moment at this time that's going to bring back the loss and the grief. So that's where they end up. And, um, and it happens. And she, well, she, he, he's the one who gets upset and starts crying, real realizing where they are, that they're at the spot where they lost their daughter, but she doesn't remember any of it at all. And so he just has to decide that, you know, that's all for the best. He knows that where she's at in her disease process right now, she doesn't remember the most important thing that ever happened. So um, I'm not going to give the whole story away. No, 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 no. Anyway. No, usually, usually I don't. No, usually I don't even. We don't usually talk about this that much exactly on the show, but oh, okay. because it has a lot to do. Yeah, because we. I don't. You know, I know most of the authors that we have on. We don't really talk about their books, but this was. This is a certain topic that. You yeah. touched on this that, you know, goes along with what else you do. Otherwise, otherwise yeah. I wouldn't be asking, you know, what this is about. No. Because I think people, you know, because this is a couple that loved each other, and he is being really a wonderful husband. This is when, sometimes this yeah. is when it, you know, when things get bad, you know that this is a good guy. You know, I mean, because a lot of yeah. times husband and wife, they just don't do this. They don't, you know. I mean, sometimes, unfortunately, you go to, you know, I spent years going for my aunt, my grandmother, my mother, you know, a lot, lot grandfather, just so many people in nursing homes and, you know, care facilities that some people don't even get visitors. Oh, you know, no. so when somebody, yeah. like a husband, takes care of his wife, that's a beautiful thing, you know, because mm. unfortunately, you know, uh, actually I did that for a while. I used to go to you know, a nursing facility and go and talk to people and just write, you know, read, you know, they wanted to read letters, people that get old letters and things like that, just so they had somebody to talk to, because they don't have anybody to talk to sometimes. And some right. don't talk at all. Like my aunt, my aunt did not talk at all. Nothing. Mm. 
She never, she didn't, yeah. and she was a, a talker. She was a runner. I mean, well, she was actually a fast walker. She did nothing, you know, and that was even more upsetting. She just sat there. But some people, when they have memory loss and things like that, they do talk, and they don't have anybody to talk to, you know. So mm-hmm. I used to do that because, sure. you know, and then you get to meet these people, you know, and I think I had mentioned when I was talking on the phone to you, Marianne, what, I've heard some of the nurses say in facilities that they, when one of their patients dies, they go to the funeral to hear what the families have to say about the person because they have never met them in the way that they were before. Because the people, once they get there, yeah, because they don't know they were doctors, lawyers, you know, dancers, singers, you know, artists. And when they get to that point, the people that are caregiving for them don't know who they were. And so then exactly. they would learn at the funerals what people thought of them. And so that's a lot of them did because they wanted to know what they were like before. Because mm. just like all of us, they're the same. That You know, they weren't anything like, they were a shell of what they were, but they had wonderful lives. So it's nice that in this particular instant, there's a, a husband that is taking care of his wife, and so that's the ultimate of love. Yes. And that couple you know, was based that, upon couples I met in my work. I met uh, one in particular. But there were uh, several that I used as a, like a composite to create these two characters. And that's also why I put on the cover of the book, um, there is a couple, a photograph of a couple on a beach, and they're dancing, and they've got their white yeah. hair because I just right. wanted to make sure that potential readers knew that this was going to be a story about mature couple. Right. Which is, which people, you know, which is really a, a good thing because, you know, that I had not even, you know, sometimes you don't realize who's reading your books or whatever. And there are a lot of people that, you know, will come across your book and just read it as a nice love story. So it doesn't oh, have mm-hmm. to be somebody that's going through it. You know, but it's just no. a part of it. So that's how people learn when people have fiction books about things that are important, but other people are listening and reading. I don't know if it's a, do you have an audio book on that? I think you do, don't you? I do. Do you have an audio? Yeah, I you do. do. I thought you did. Yeah. 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 And so that's a good thing. So people, you know, and just like you believe in the podcast, for people to listen to podcasts about things. Because I find that's a really good way to learn things. A lot of people just, especially during the pandemic, um, Kristen knows that we've talked about this. A lot of people don't focus, and they can't focus on books. They don't want the books. Right. They can't. They yeah. They just can't. And now you know with audios, they can. They just put like you said while you're doing other things, cooking. You know, sitting in the sun, yeah. going to the beach. You know, which you know. Which is why Kristen and I do have that beach with that beach reads, which also is you have young adults books. So yeah, both of you do. Yeah. So maybe we'll talk a little bit about that because that's that's a different whole different subject, but it's young love and mm. young stories about life. So want to talk a little bit about that and tell us what kind of writing you do with that, Miriam. And then, Kristen, sure. you, want to yeah. talk, you can talk, too, about that. Okay. I wrote a book about girls varsity swimming because my daughter swam for 11 years. And I sat there on those cold, hard benches for hours and hours on end 
and the whole time I was concocting this story about this swim team and this one swimmer in particular, who was the new girl in town, the new girl on the team, and she challenges a longstanding school record that has a $50,000 scholarship attached to it. Whoever breaks the record will win a $50,000 prize from the woman who made that record like 20 years ago. So um, this girl, unbeknownst to anybody else, is a champion swimmer. She's heading for the Olympics, but she doesn't want to swim to win anymore. She's really tired. She's got some really serious family problems going on, which is why she ends up in this school in her senior year living with her mother's best friend. And um, she decides she's just going to coast through this swim season. She doesn't, she's not up for any challenges. And um, it builds and builds and builds the pressure and the allure of that $50,000 prize. So eventually she does, they find out who she really is and she does take on that challenge. But the book has many other issues uh, um, involved in it. Um, one of them is 9-11. That's why the mother is not in the picture. The mother is a nurse, and she went over to Afghanistan to take care of the soldiers during that time and ended up getting injured and has a chronic pain injury and an opiate addiction. And she gets right. caught stealing drugs at work, and then she ends up losing her job and ends up getting sent to, you know, uh, a, like a rehab jail service sentence, like a year or something like that. So she's out of the picture. And then the father, and all of this is going on for several years, he ends up divorcing her and ends up with a new wife and with two daughters, young daughters. And so my heroine, she doesn't want anything to do with any of that. So she's wrestling with that parent's divorce, the mother's drug problem, the incarceration, being separated from her family. It's senior year. She doesn't want to swim anymore. She meets a whole new set of friends. The first time in her life that she actually has friends because she's been moving around her whole high school year. Which is hard. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So she's really struggling with that. What age group? And there's a boy. What age group? And there's a boy involved. What age group? What age group are well, you saying for this? So I would say it's I like just want to point that out because it's very maybe. tough to decide what age group for any of these books. Yeah. 13 so what to age 20, group would you I'd say? Okay. Varsity right. swimming usually starts in seventh grade. So and there's a character that's in, I think seventh grade uh, in the book, and then um, I had a 11, 11 year old girl write to me. She said. Um, I'm 11 years old, and I'm a swimmer, and I read your book in four days, and it's like 600 pages, and she loved it. She said it was the best book that she ever read. So that's I mean, good. Her See, that's good. Right. That's why I'm asking what age, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah 11-year-old. Because I think it's younger now. Yeah, I think it's younger now that are looking yeah, at Yeah, and that. it's clean. It doesn't have any, you know, there's no right. sex or anything like that in it. There's a little bit of, like, the blush of first love, first kiss kind of a thing, kind of yeah. like stirrings feelings and stirrings of, you know, of that blossoming between her and, and her new best friend's twin brother. So um, they have a really great relationship, and he's a good guy, and he helps her out a lot. So um, that's some of my favorite part of the book. It takes place in New York, which is where I live. And, um, yeah, it took me uh, five years to write that book. And that's an audio book, too, right. and in, and in uh, Kindle ebook. Yeah, it's important to know ages. I, I really do think that that is, you know, because I think young adult was a little older years. See, now, like if somebody that's 11 
like that book, so that's a good thing. You know, mm-hmm. and, and they and they say the truth. You know, they're they're not going to tell you they like a book if they don't like a book. <laughs> they they are definitely not writing that to you. You know, so that's a good thing. I think eleven. So you know, and Kristen, you know, what age group are you know the books that you have? They they go they're going a little older now. You know, we talked about that. We don't know exactly sometimes what age group in some of these books. How do you feel about it with yours? Well, I had to smile when Marianne said 11 because the 11 and 12-year-olds are the ones that love and devour YA books. A lot of times okay. parents think like, oh, it's more middle grade for that age. No, those that is the age that absolutely loves and, like I said, devours YA books. Um, and I think mm-hmm. that that's a good thing, too, for the preteens because books like that, it's better to have the things to read about before you go through it to prepare you. You know, reading about high school before you're in high school is very important to give you an idea of what it's going to be like, what you might face to kind of, you know, everything from like peer pressure to dealing with um, issues with friends, bullies, all that stuff and relationships Mm -hmm. and being able to see a good relationship versus a toxic one. And I love the fact that Marianne has very positive relationships and good guys in both her YA um, with the twin brother and then in her uh, adult novel as well and stuff, because a lot of times there are so many toxic relationships in YA books that are held up as being like, oh, a beautiful love story. And really, when you read it, you're kind of like squirming, like, I don't think this is, you know, the healthy relationship that, you know, yeah. somebody <laughs> well, that's the, right. <laughs> right, and that's the other thing, right, because, you know, uh, years ago, it was defined by some of the publishers, you know, what they considered, and they put it in that group. But then now with all the, you know, independently published authors, it's a little bit different now because they, they're they putting the books out, but sometimes they have maybe a little too much or not enough. But some, you know, you have to be careful at that age, you yeah. know, what yeah. they're reading. Yeah, know? yeah. yeah. That's a tough age. Yeah. My daughter yeah, in college it. took a class in um, young adult reading. I forget the name of it. She was taking. She's a teacher, so uh, she took this class in young adult books. And when I saw the book list, I was shocked because they were such dark titles. I was like, "Oh my god, yeah. this is what you <laughs> well, know, they're, the they're like using is <laughs> like the most you know the best things for kids." And then the teacher she took mentioned that I had written this book, and her instructor went out and bought a book for every kid in the class and had me come and talk to it. And and my book was all, you know, light, yeah. you know, and, and happiness compared to some Well, of that's a good thing, though, they because they need to, but they do need to have some of, they need they to have did. this. You know, and, you know, they you know, and I think what's going to happen now is, I think we're going to have a society of such conflict of what's real for them and what's not real and what's good for them, because that is such a... All of us were young girls, and young girls, it, it's very difficult, you know. Yeah, they're young guys, young guys, too. And if they're watching a lot of the things that are on TV, there a lot of it is pretty much intense, and some of it is very dark, dark, dark. Yeah, dark. I went through the same thing in college and in grad school. I took um, classes like your daughter did, Marianne, with about um, – you know, the books for teens and young kids and stuff like that. And the one, in, um, particularly the grad school class I took, it was meant for teachers, but I was able to get in it because I explained to the professor that I wanted to write YA. I was working on one, and they let me in the class. And 
it was exactly the same thing, the dark books, the heavy subjects and stuff like that, and how to go about broaching it, talking to kids about it and stuff like that. And it was really eye-opening, but it was like, wow. And the people um, were saying about, like, there were some books that were, you know, from you know, many years ago, some from um, more recent, you know, the 70s, 80s, 90s, and so on. And I couldn't get over, like, some of the books that had not really crossed my radar in school because they were asking how many people had read this one or that one. And very few hands went up because a lot of us are a little bit sheltered. You know, if we don't read the book maybe in school, if it's not presented, we, you know, our parent might not pick it up. We might not pick it up in the library because some of those covers are not going to be as appealing as, like, the bright, cutesy YA ones or, you know, if you have a choice between a Sweet Valley High book, you know, or, you know, something a little bit deeper, you know, which one's the kid's going to go to. So, yeah, it was definitely eye-opening. And um, it's good, you know, for kids to read those books. And, you know, my professor always said, give them the book before they need it, particularly if it's a book about things like, you know, uh, losing a grandparent or a loved one yeah. or something yeah. like that. Have the book before they go through it. And that's why with... um I have three, um, one, one is more of an upper middle grade and two are YA books that deal with a grandparent with a dementia. So Landry mm-hmm. and Mike is the one that's a little younger. There's, um, it's not Landry's grandparent, it's her best friend in a nursing home. And um, the girl has not really enjoyed going visiting, you know, it scares her a little bit. And there's, she just made, you know, the cheer, cheerleading team for the high school and stuff and they're still in eighth grade and she wants to go hang out with the, you know, the senior cheerleaders are having an event. And, oh, should she go see Grandma or should she, you know, go to this thing? And her parents say, well, you know, Ashanti, you can make the decision. And so she feels very pressured. You know, Landry tells her, I'll go see your Grandma. But the older girls kind of pressure her and make her feel like she needs to go. So she goes with the girls and uh, she loses her grandmother. And she's absolutely devastated because she didn't get a last chance to say goodbye, and she feels so guilty. And you see the main character, Landry, this is one of the subplots of the book, um, being there to support her. And actually Landry's grandmother ends up um, helping the girl with, like, memories of the grandmother and stuff like that. And then um, the other two I have uh, competing with the star, the main character, Hadley, uh, dates a boy whose mother, or excuse me, his grandfather, is in a nursing home and with Louis body Parkinson's and dementia. And he is supposed to go um, to see a movie at the nursing home to watch it with grandpa like he always does on the weekends. And he invites Landry to go too. And this is, a, you know, a whole new experience for Landry. And while she's there, she sees one of the popular mean girls who she's a little bit afraid of there with her grandmother. And they end up becoming friends because now you know, she realizes the main girl. They have something common, right. Yeah, they, she, something you know, sees a different side, and she sees why Pilar is so defensive. And we learn a little bit about Pilar's um, grandmother, the one that has dementia, and the things that she went through because the family's from Japan, and how, you know, her grandmother really went through a lot as a little girl with so many people in the family dealing with the effects um, from Hiroshima, because some of that radiation stuff goes through generations. And, you know, so it's a teenage love story, but you really you fall in love with the teenage boy because he's, you know, so good to the grandfather. Mm-hmm. 
in the yeah. in the right yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, I I think right, and I do think you know right now you know I think sometimes I question what I'm watching myself. I'm going like, oh my God, look what I'm watching, and it's so dark. You know, and sometimes it, it 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 does, and you know, there are a lot of young people watching the same things I'm watching, and I'm thinking, geez, if I was young and in college, you know, what would I be thinking, and what would I be? Well, of course, I, I was very social; we were out a lot, but now because of the pandemic, people have been home and watching a lot more TV, and they're watching a lot of deep, dark stories. I mean, and they are very dark, and there's young people mm-hmm. in it. So they're watching it. It's not that there's no characters that are young. There are. So I think that this this could be, you know, there's so many issues now that I think it's going to be tough for kids to know exactly what, you know, a lot of parents have no idea what their kids are watching or what they're reading. They have no idea because it's not like they even hold the book. It's online. True. So like, yeah. you, you know, yeah. if you years ago, if you were reading a book, somebody would say, well, what are you reading? Now, you don't have to say anything because you're reading it online. And the parents have yep. no idea. So that could be quite, you know, this all remains that what could happen. I mean, we, it's very dark subjects, I think. So I think, you know, all of this, it's a, you know, love, you know, and sometimes when you're very young, you don't understand a lot of things, even though we think we do when we're young. Mm-hmm. You know, but our brains don't seem to be able to handle some of the things that I can't even imagine some of the things that go on now when I was very young, being able to just let it go. I don't know. You know, it's hard to say what I would have done then, but it's. I know that what I see now is very intense. You yeah. know, uh, I think, Marianne, do you watch a lot of the TV at all or? Yeah, and I watch a lot of intense stuff on Netflix. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, so, you know, here we are, right, I, and I do, you know. And so, um, Kristen, you don't as much, I know, right? You're not, no, like I'm, a, lot of I'm a little bit more with mysteries and, you know, the, the yep. cutesy commerce stuff. I like to watch to escape more than have, yeah. you know, my cortisol levels driven up. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> because it could from some of the, you know, and sometimes you, know, you just have to go, you know, you really, even when I'm watching it, I'm realizing this is dark, you know, but I'm still watching it. And I then I get like addicted. I have to see the end of it because it's a series and it's intense. And then I go, oh, I, you know, and I promise myself, I'm not going to watch any more series. And then I go, oh, I think I'll watch this. And uh, then I'll go watch that. And we all do this. And, you know, so I think, and I do write sweet romances. And you can't, you don't want to get that in your head, which I don't. You know, but there's there's a lot for young people to have to understand now. You know, and older people in love and, you know, in relationships. There's a lot out there. You know, like mm-hmm. when I said romance at any age, because right, people, you know, even in even in some of the uh, nursing facilities, they they have romance. You know, a lot of them oh, love yes. for somebody. Yes, that's a big yeah. thing in the romance. Yeah, we have some books that are written about that yeah. in, in our organization. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and right, <laughs> it happens. You know, and they have to watch some of the people. I know, like I know when my mother was in a facility, she would go. What is going on here? She said, "What is like?" She would say, "What? What did she see in him?" I mean, they're always together, you know. And so I think, and they kind of like, especially when they don't have anybody visiting them, and then they hook on to somebody that 
cares, you know, that's with them a lot, it, it becomes serious sometimes. And so that's at any age. So that's not uh, something that doesn't happen. Which so you have books on you have books like that. Oh yeah, we have several books that have to do with uh, people having finding new love at the like the nursing home. One is called Stage Seven by Ruth Stevens, and then there's the Cara Molina book. Um, I forget the name of it. Love Woven in Time. And then there's the yeah. Revan G series by R.J. Yeah. Sussman. She's got a character who finds somebody, you know, in the senior living. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Sally Hepworth wrote a book that had a love story in, in a care home. So there's a lot of, you know, that's a pretty yeah. common theme, I think, finding yeah. love. Yeah, I think a lot of well, people don't know you, that, you, though. You know, Alice Monroe wrote a story. Yeah, she wrote a story in Alice Monroe. She's like Canada's number one writer. She wrote a story. I think it's called The Bear Climbed Over the Mountain. And then they made a movie out of it starring Julie Christie. And I think it's the oh, name of it. Oh, that was so good. But anyway, what oh, happened my was, God. Oh, you know what I'm talking about? That movie about? when she was getting she, Alzheimer's? Um, when she, well, he had to place her in a facility. And then they told him he couldn't oh, yeah. come for 30 days, the husband. And oh, then when he yes. comes back in, she's hooked up with some other guy. She doesn't even know who yeah. he is. She's attached nope. to this other man. Yeah. And he it was, was I, You know what? I watched that movie two or three times because it was so good, but yeah. it was so sad. You know, but she was really happy to be with somebody she was else, very not happy. her husband. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. She and then her husband. About her husband. And then her husband became friendly with the other man's wife. Right in the nursing home, so they at least had somebody to talk to, because they yeah. were, you know, when he would come to visit her, she would be with the man that she had found at the nursing home and didn't yeah. even care about her husband at all, and he was nope. like, he was so distraught. I'm yeah, distraught. This was his love. Have a happy ending. Is there a happy ending at least? Well, <laughs> not really. <laughs> Because they, no, doesn't, no, he doesn't, no. you know, really yeah. get together with the other woman either. Like the two no, of them, they're no. like, you know, they're not. They tried, but it was like they didn't yeah, have I that know. spark between. I would have them. liked he that ending, just, but he right, was resigned. it was just kind of an ending, right? It was just kind of an ending, yeah. but it was just like, you know, but it was a really good movie. Yeah, well, another beautiful movie actress, about about um, Alzheimer's is Iris with Judy Dench playing Iris Murdoch. And uh, with John Begley, oh, I loved him. He was the best in that movie. He played the best husband. You liked it. And she was yeah. like a force, Irish Murdoch. She was like this, you know, professor, novelist, very well regarded and renowned. And her husband, I think, like, I, he lived I think I've seen her. I think called Irish. Iris. I'll have to see Iris. Iris. Yeah, because yeah. I love Judy a, Dench. Yeah. It's a book. It's called um, oh, it's Iris, and, and there's a book. It's a movie. And Judy okay, Dench I'll, played I'll Iris, and that was okay. beautiful. That really was. And then Kate Winslet is also in that movie. She plays the young Iris. I've oh, watched she does. Okay, I'll have I to really see love that. that. Yeah. That's beautiful. And then the husband is yeah. just like, oh my god, you'll just love him. Yeah, He's I know. <laughs> yeah, his whole see, I know. From, yes, because from, right, I, you know, it's so. He was there yeah. to serve her. Yes, it's so. You know, 
it, it's really, you know, and I think some of those movies, you know, a lot of people say, oh, it's too intense, but it really, they're beautiful sto- They are good stories, you know, the one with Julie Christie. Oh, my, it was, and The Notebook. I mean, the, the, like I said before, I mean, people mm-hmm. watch those, that movie over and over again. This is a, a love yeah. story that started out very young and intense, and they go through all these years and different things happening to them. And so, I mean, that's really life. That's that's the whole thing. That kind of that movie kind of sums it up. It's a book, you know, uh, and it sums it up of how life. You start one way and you go all the way through it. That same person in so many different phases. But mm-hmm. and you know, I won't say the end of that movie because that is too intense. I mean, oh my yeah. god. But but it's life. You know, and that's really what happens in life. We have a lot of intense moments in life and love. Yeah, thank you. You know, yeah. So I, I'll have to look at that one with Judy Dench. Okay, so uh, would you like to tell everybody where they can find your books and what find everything about you? And I will fix the website and and you'll you'll send me sure. the other link. Okay, so yeah, tell everybody where I'll they can you. find you and what's next for you. Okay, so my books are all available on Amazon, and some of them are available on the other bookstores like Barnes and Noble. And um, you can find me on my website, Marianne Shuko. It's M A R I A N N E S C I U C C O dot com. And all's authors is A L Z A U T H O R S dot com. And right now I'm writing, I'm finishing up a prequel to Blue Hydrangeas. I had written one called Christmas at Blue Hydrangeas, and this new book is called A Wedding at Blue Hydrangeas, and it's the wedding of Jack and Sarah's son um, and Ooh. his bride. And it goes back to 19, 1979, so long before the Alzheimer's shuts in, but um, it takes place on Cape Cod. It's very beautiful. Someday I'll finish that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So, Kristen, that's like you know you like the cottages, right? So is that what you're thinking? Oh yeah, the little cottages. <laughs> yes, because you mentioned that in the other show we had last week. I think two weeks ago it was about co- you know that you keep thinking of cottages somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> if you put a, any kind of little cutesy cottage on a lake shore, and I'm there. <laughs> I'm reading that book. <laughs> I tell everybody where they can find you. Oh, me. I'm at KristenLindsay.com. Yep. And Kristen with a Y. And um, I'm, my books you can find on Amazon. Right now they're all free in Kindle Unlimited. And you can find the paperbacks anywhere you buy books online. So Barnes & Noble, Walmart, wherever. It's, yep. Uh, and and uh, it's in the Thursday's show. Bookstore. Kristen's books yes. are in the author's bookstore because she's got a couple of blog posts on our on our website. Yes, and you know, dating the yeah, you know, I will say I, I almost forgot, I wanted to say something to uh, you know because I you have a an interview with Rachel Hanna uh, on your site, and she's done on a lot. Of, I've been listening. Yeah, yeah, Rachel Hanna. She does a lot of yeah. Because I've been, I'll tell you the books because I've been listening to them and I saw her on your site. Um, Sunset Second Chances, Sunset Tea Surprise, Fireflies, Second Chances. Hmm. I saw her. Someone must have interviewed her. 
else than, yeah, that could than be. you. Maybe she wrote a blog yeah. post. We have a, there's over 300 Yeah, because there's a post. So can't stay. Yeah, I, I saw it uh, there. Yeah, I didn't know if you did or not. Active because on, I, you know, on top of all of them. I'd like to try yeah. to get her on the show. I've been listening to her audiobooks, and I keep listening to because she's really, yeah. you know, it's just, it's a story about, I, I like stories just about life and families, you know, that's what I mm-hmm. write now, you know, and I think that's yeah. a, there's a lot of people that write that, and, you know, because there's a lot of things that families have to go through in life, that's, a, you know, that's just life, that's what it is, and so it's a taste of life that we all know, and, you know, bringing older characters in is what I do. I have grandmothers in it, you know, grandfathers in some of my screenplays because it's part of a family and we have to learn about all these things. We should know about a lot of these things because they're parts of our family. It matters, you know, uh, seeing your grandparents, understanding them, you know. And uh, a lot of kids now are pretty much, you know, they they watch some of the things that their grandparents watch. Some, I've had a lot of people lately on the shows that a lot of people are watching old movies from the past, and I know that years ago that didn't happen. But now people are watching so many different movies that some of the older movies, a lot of young young people are watching them in their 20s because they're all on Netflix and they're on everything. So I see some of these you know things that they're watching now because they they have a Netflix um Facebook page so you see what people are watching and there are a lot of old movies and there are a lot of young people watching them so life is just taking a turn you know in a lot of ways and so I will um our show is Thursday and it's going to be very interesting because we are going to talk about some of the things that have happened with kids over the last few years and how they are surviving everything and they are you know, and their parents too, but I think more family time. So I think that's that's one of the good things that came out of the pandemic is I think people are spending more time with their family, so we will probably be talking about that on Thursday. And you can always find me at MarciaCasperCook.com. And thank you so much, both of you. You know, this is very enlightening, I think, for hopefully for a lot of people that might not know anything about this and or where, what to do. If they know oh, somebody, yeah. you know, like this, you know, because you do need some help with this because it's not easy all the time. So, you know, you have to have somebody to ask a few questions so you can get, you know, it's a shocking and devastating diagnosis. Absolutely. But it can also be enlightening and you have to know what's, how to, like you said at the beginning, you have to know what to do and the plan. So thank you so much for being on. And Kristen, thank you so much. And everybody out there, keep writing. And I was going to say have a good weekend because I'm used to Thursdays, but no. (laughs) Have a good rest of the week. Have a good week. Thank you all for listening. (laughs) Thank you you so much. Thank you so much for being on. Bye-bye. 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 With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.